0: Whenever you are and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you have chosen to tune into DLC. We're gonna get you through this week. It's gonna—it's been a rough few weeks, but we're here for you. Especially if you're, you know, in traffic, maybe you're in a commute, maybe you're one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to get you through a workout or a run. We're gonna be in your ear holes, ninety plus minutes and DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be completely free and that's thanks to our sponsors this week Mac Weldon, Linode and Cards Against Humanity. They brought that sh- uh, the show to you completely free of charge and DLC of course is the show all about gaming in its many forms games played on desktops, laptops and consoles and also games that involve dice, luck and cardboard I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash
1: nemesis,
0: the guy who always destroys the enterprise right away, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian.
1: Hey, Jeff. Actually, from this point forward, I want to be known as the Christian Spicer S, and the two terabyte version of me is out now, but the um, 500 gigabyte isn't coming out until later in the fall.
0: Well, you are a little smaller than I remember you.
1: So. <laughs> I am, and, and my power source is now internal, so I'm pretty happy.
0: <laughs> That's good. That's convenient. Uh, oh man, we got a we got a big show. We got a lot to talk about. Some fun news came out of Comic Con this weekend. Uh, Christian and I have a pretty cool announcement of a way that you can hang out with us uh, early next week for for some gaming goodness. It's going to well, be this really week,
1: cool. depending on when you're
0: we're oh, recording this on Sunday. Week.
1: This is Sunday. If you're with us live, hello, welcome to Sunday. If you're listening on your RSS iTunes, we're recording this Sunday morning. And uh so yeah, this this week um, we will talk about it.
0: But if you're used to listening to us on a Monday morning,
1: there's plenty of opportunity
0: to do that. I'll just say that right now. We're, Christian and I are going to be part of something
1: that we did not name. Let's just say what it is now <laughs> instead of just like not talking yeah. about it.
2: We <laughs> are we, we are
0: part of something called the Buffalo Wild Wings Blazing Showdown, fueled by Mountain Dew. Now, that doesn't sound like a real thing, but it is a real thing. <laughs> this is a real thing we are doing. We did not name it. They uh, they hired us to host it. Uh, it's going to be actually really cool. I know it sounds it sounds like the cheesiest thing you could possibly imagine, but this is actually a really really cool thing. They're bringing together these uh, these corporate sponsors are bringing together six very popular online streamers. And it's a competition. They're going to have these streamers all playing video games at the same time inside of Buffalo Wild Wings streaming on their Twitch channels. And whoever has the most streamers at the end of the three days wins thirty grand. So Chris and I are hosting it. We're going to be doing the, the Mountain Dew stream, which is at twitch.tv slash mtndew. And uh, we're just going to be kind of hosting the whole event, talking to the different streamers. Really cool streamers. Ms. Vixen's going to be there. Uh, Pokimane, uh, I Will Dominate, Dyrus, I think it's Dyrus or Dyrus, I don't even know. Man, that's bad. Uh, SkyMP3, oh, these are really, really, really popular streamers, awesome people. Uh, we're going to be talking to them, we're going to be talking to people that come and down and hang out. If you want, if you're in the LA area, near Sherman Oaks, you can come down and hang out with us at the Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, we'll hang out, we got tons of prizes to give away, and sh- cool swag to give away. Razer is going to be a sponsor, so they're like giving away mice and keyboards and stuff. Uh, we're giving away like uh, game codes and stuff, uh, and it's just going to be Christian and I hanging out, talking about games, talking to these streamers, and kind of getting you through uh, these days of competition. I think it's going to be a really, really good time.
1: And it is uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, three to nine PM Pacific. So there's going to be a lot of a lot of airtime for Jeff and I, and we're allowed just to kind of chit chat, and we're going to see. How many razor mice can withstand how many buffalo wild wings as we pour (laughs) sauce on? No, it's going to be I think it's going to be really fun. And we're going to be doing a lot of chit chatting, talking Comic Con, talking all sorts of stuff and then uh, hanging out and watching these streamers do their thing, which is going to be incredible.
0: Yeah, but that doesn't uh, preclude us from a fun episode right now. We're going to give you your news. We're going to talk about games Uh, and we have an awesome guest to do it with us. You know the DLC is always your downloadable Canada and your downloadable Christian, but we got an easy DLC this week. Uh, this week DLC stands for Denny Last Name Connolly.
2: Oh wow!
0: From yeah, from GameRant was... dot game <laughs> com we have uh, editor, content strategist, cartoonist, and journalist. Denny Connolly. Hey, Denny. Thanks for being here.
2: Oh, thanks for having me. I was wondering if you were going to take the easy way out with the abbreviation. I'm I'm glad I was right with my prediction. <laughs> hey, man,
0: you know, I can't I can't deny the low hanging fruit sometimes. Sometimes these are hard and sometimes it's just
1: so nice and easy.
2: Yeah, <laughs> hey, I, I set you up. I
1: You're think perfect. what Denny's saying is he doesn't love it, Kanata.
2: Oh. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs>
0: uh denny uh, finally you know i'm i've been kind of sick of having uh <laughs> weeks over weeks of of people on the show who, who don't play pokemon go so we finally got a pokemon go expert on the show i'm very excited about that
2: yeah i put in a lot of hours just for you guys
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh well we'll get to that in our playlist but let's start the show the way we always do with story of the week Story of the week, it's the story on the week. Story of the week gets the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration using our hashtag, and that is DLC on Twitter, or by visiting our subreddit, uh, which is uh, reddit.com/slash uh, five slash r slash five x five DLC or 5x5dlc.reddit.com is easier. Uh, And lots of good discussion there. I recommend that community. Really good people. Really fun folks. Cool stuff this week. Uh, Denny, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. Uh, What do you consider to be your story of the week this week?
2: Yeah, we're kind of in that weird spot where we're past E3, but the fall releases aren't coming out yet. But uh, luckily, luckily we have Comic-Con to give us some good news. So Mm -hmm. I think that it's probably not the biggest story of the week, but the most exciting story for me is Marvel Ultimate Alliance bundle coming to consoles and PC. Um, The first and second Marvel Ultimate Alliance game coming back to new consoles with slight upgrades. Hopefully all of those unlockable characters And local couch co-op, which was the most exciting feature for me the first time around.
0: Yeah, what a cool announcement to come out of Comic-Con. I mean, it couldn't be better paired with an event. Uh, And it's hilarious for me personally. I was at lunch with somebody um, just two days ago. And we were sitting around talking about video games. And she brought up how much she loved... Marvel Ultimate Alliance I was like oh my gosh those games were so good and then randomly this announcement happened it was pretty crazy just just at the f- forefront of my mind um but yeah i mean th- these were really really good games uh the first one came out i think 2006 and the second one came out in 2009 so they are a little little old but uh it sounds like they're getting some at least um, we don't know how how major or minor the graphical updates are but some ui enhancements some graphic updates uh, and these are coming out for uh the the current consoles and PCs. It's The first time they'll be available on the PC, which is pretty cool. Um yeah, man, these are these were really fun games and you know, the the second one was built all around the Civil War storyline in the comics. So, you know, that that because the Captain America movie was all about that storyline, it's in the forefront of people's minds as well. I think this is pretty cool.
2: Yeah, and it comes out in 2 days, <laughs> which is which is always nice.
1: Yeah. Uh Christian, what do you think? Did you ever play these games? Yeah, I love these games. So I'm excited to see them back i'm I'm hopeful that it's not a you know slap port job by Activision. I just hope they run well like I don't need it to be the most updated remaster. I'm not looking for a Last of Us or Halo you know <laughs> anniversary edition type level of remaster on this thing, but I would like it you know, lock sixty frames um cleaned up a little bit, and then just no – um just crossing my fingers for no big uh glitches or glaring mistakes. But I love these games. I think they're fun. The story of 2 while it does follow the comic Civil War, I think it's kind of uh it, it goes garbage pretty quick, but it's, you know, they're Diablo-style action RPG d- dungeon crawlers with some of your favorite characters and pretty good voice acting for what they do and uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I think the pricing is a little higher than I wanted it to be. What is it? $40 individually, 60 for both. Um, you know, but I'm also probably gonna buy it, so I can't
0: <laughs> yeah I was a little surprised by the price as well. It seems pretty steep, but maybe these games do really have a lot of enhancements and updates uh but I expected I would think more like nineteen ninety nine for each and forty for both, but yeah, I don't know,
2: yeah um, with uh, with the sixty dollar price tag, I really hope it includes all of the hundred and forty characters. Right off the bat, unlocked. I know that a lot of those were you had to, were for pay DLC the first time around.
0: Right. Well, I would be surprised if it didn't. I, I think at this you know this many years after release, it's got to include everything that they put out with those games. But yeah, a lot of a lot of Marvel characters in there and really fun games. My my favorite memory of these games is when we were doing the Totally Rad Show. We would do the Extra Life 24 hour gaming marathon every year. And uh, in 2009, when we were doing it, and I think it was 2009, and uh, Ultimate Alliance 2 had just come out, it was one of the games we played at the very end of the 24-hour marathon. So we were exhausted. We'd been up 24 hours playing games. And uh, Dan Trachtenberg, who is now big-time Hollywood director Dan Trachtenberg, uh, we were all playing, uh, Alex Albrecht, Dan Trachtenberg, and myself, and (laughs) Dan was so tired from staying up that... We were all sitting on a couch together and Dan would start dozing off. And the only way we noticed is that we would be, we were all playing um, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2, and his character would just kind of walk into a wall and just keep walking into that wall, just like in the corner of the screen. And we'd look over and realize Dan was sleeping and we'd go, Dan, wake up! And we'd go, sorry, sorry. And then we'd play a little far, and then his character would just sort of auto walk into a wall. (laughs) That was very funny. (laughs) Christian, what is your story of the week?
1: I think, yeah, there's a couple of things that I'm sure we will touch on. But my story of the week is if you have a NVIDIA GTX 1080, um, throw it away. It is already garbage.
2: It's
0: garbage. <laughs> throw it in the garbage. You stupid
1: idiot.
2: To Why bottom. did you buy
0: that thing two weeks ago? It's garbage.
1: The dumbest purchasing decision you ever could have made. You, you're better off buying a Virtual Boy today. Um, (laughs) no, NVIDIA announces the new Titan X kind of going with a Apple naming strategy where it's just the same name, but a new thing. And, uh, holy, holy moly, is this thing a new thing? It's $1,200. So they've kind of broken away from that. Hey, it's top tier performance and also kind of affordable. They're saying it's 60% faster than the original Titan X. It's on Pascal architecture. And it goes on sale August 2nd. And I think I read it's like 30% or 20% faster than the 1080 is kind of what they're hoping. I think it's 11 floppy flips. I don't understand this stuff.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's 11 teraflops. Uh, It's got way more cores uh, at a a higher
1: clock speed. It just means it has has to do more sit-ups, though, to engage those cores. yeah, Yeah, really, I need to engage those cores.
0: It's mostly planking.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah and it's got 12
0: gigabytes of of onboard ram instead of the eight that the 1080 has but it's different ram it's the uh, gddr 5x which is uh, some slower are, ram uh, yeah arguing that it's slower but it has a higher it has a higher throughput it has a higher yeah. the, you know the bus actually delivers data to it much faster so it's all going to come down to what these specs are when, when you know, some of these sites like Anantech and others get their hands on it, uh, really put it through its paces. We're going to find out, is it really worth
1: – I'll put it through its paces, NVIDIA. If you are listening, oh, yeah. I will gladly put that- – <laughs> I'm ready to put that thing through its paces.
2: Yeah, just, just send three of those out. We'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. take a look. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's uh it's it's real expensive 1200 bucks as you said compared to you know the 1080 coming out and really kind of hitting a much lower price point than most people would expect it does seem to have room in there between those for a 1080 ti if you know past as precedent then
1: that's comes out p- tomorrow probably
0: right. <laughs> yeah so uh it probably won't have the you know all the bells and whistles that this Titan X has if it, if there is a TI but it'll probably be a little higher end than the 1080 so it's you know it's falling in line with their their past you know um suite of products but man this thing sounds pretty sexy uh, I'm really curious to see how much better than the 1080 it really is. If it's really worth that
1: very premium price, it's like double the price, right? It was a 1080, six hundred or seven hundred bucks. It's close to yeah, it's really double close. the price. Yeah,
0: uh, I think it's I think it's is it more than double? What 1080 is like? I, don't know if I should look that up. But yeah, it it is um, it's pretty crazy this rollout of the Pascal architecture because it's it's they're doing it very staggered, which I think is the recipe for upsetting people because like us. You know, you get all excited about something, and then two days later, it's like, no, 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 that thing is trashed. Put in the trash.
1: I wouldn't mind buying this, you know, buying a 1080 after this Titan X comes out, but the situation that stinks is that you decide you're going to buy a new card, you buy the 1080, and then they announce this, and you just have that. Oh, I I would have saved up another month. Like it's you know yeah. you don't have all the information when you're making your purchasing decision. Well, it's
0: nice that the 1060 and 1070 have also been announced, which are the much more affordable versions of this Pascal architecture. They are also um, pretty beefy cards and really built for VR. A lot of what Pascal does best is allow VR
1: to do its thing and help Rapunzel see the floating lanterns.
0: Yeah, always good. Always good. Um, so i don't know i i like the fact that pc gaming seems to be still you know pushing you know i want i want that ferrari i love that ferrari so i, I get excited when there's new stuff even if i just got a computer
1: well i uh but mm. i want to get danny's take on this of course i texted you uh when this was announced or when i first saw it like you know is is 4k vr only a year away like I know that's that still sounds ridiculous, but the pace in which these Pascal cards are coming out, I mean, does – you think that Why NVIDIA not? has to have a roadmap still? They're not going to sit on this for three years, right?
0: Well, what they're saying with this Titan X – and again, this is the very high end and it's probably going to remain the high end for at least a year. This is the 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 top of the top and it's – basically they're saying it may finally fulfill the promise of 4k 60 frames which yeah. you know you, you can't you can't do two screens of 4k at 90 frames per second oh I, we're yeah all ways off from that
1: for- but uh, but what i'm saying is the way that these new nvidia cards have come out and just kept punching higher and higher and higher which seemed like 10 years away from cards being able to deliver 4k vr it seems yeah. like now it could be tomorrow <laughs> yeah, Moore's like- law
0: bro more's law yeah. uh, what, what's your take on this denny
2: yeah, I think that it's a little crazy that they somehow, NVIDIA has somehow made Microsoft's console announcements make more sense in that at least you know that your Microsoft console is about to be um, irrelevant if you purchase it. Whereas NVIDIA kind of <laughs> lets you buy a card and then announces the new one. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that, I mean, it's awesome if you're the kind of person who is. In this budget, and if you happen to be lucky enough to just be about ready to build a new computer, I don't think anyone who built a computer in the last year is going to go out and you know drop twelve hundred dollars on this card. But if you can, that's awesome, and it's going to be worth it pretty much <laughs> yeah I, starts- I certainly am not the kind of person who's going to rush out and buy one immediately. I think that you know maybe a year from now after a price drop, this is the card that I'm going to want,
0: yeah. Yeah, and maybe that 1080 Ti will be the the sweet spot. But in a completely unrelated story, do you guys happen to know how much blood is going for these days?
2: If I were to sell blood. <laughs> I think you need to go with the plasma to get the real money. Uh,
1: okay, we'll see. Well, you got to go set it up on uh, JeffCanadaBloodLotto.com. <laughs>
2: all right, all right.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Oh, boy. You guys have left me with some excellent choices for my story of the week. Uh, I'm very, very tempted by two different stories. But I I think what I'm going to have to go with is Sonic's back. guys. Uh, come on.
1: (laughs)
2: Big, <laughs> That's not
0: Comic really just the announcement. Way you
1: want to with. <laughs> Sonic's back until the new Sonic game comes out, then Sonic was never back again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, big Comic Con announcement from Sega. Two, count them, two Sonic games. Uh, I know that they've been trying to reboot Sonic for quite a while now. <laughs> Basically, since 1987. No, 1992. Uh, let's, let's be generous. Um, yeah, I mean, this is uh, coming out on the the big anniversary of, of Sonic. So they're making a big deal of it this year. And the first game that they announced is called Sonic mania, which is kind of the celebration of classic old school 2d Sonic. It, um, it looks like a, you know, pixel game. It's full on 2d. It's got a lot of the old Sonic levels reimagined and some new levels. Uh, you can play a Sonic tails and knuckles. Um, Cool, you know it's a you know the sort of thing that has become very much in vogue lately, which is these these throwback retro uh, versions of of classic franchises. That's kind of well, to be expected for a, a a year of anniversary for this for this franchise,
1: and they're doing it with the right people. Like they're bringing in, you know, they're. <laughs> trying to assure people that it's going to be okay with Christian Whitehead being brought in to, uh, you know, I don't know at what what point that listed like everybody, like head Cannon, uh Christian Whitehead, Sega, but Christian Whitehead has certainly shown his appreciation or chops for handling the Sonic franchise. So I yeah. think that's the thing that people are hanging their hat on right now.
0: Well, the second announcement for the second game was the one that I, I really uh, perked up about and I think is much more interesting. Um, this is a full-on new-gen version of Sonic. They're calling it Project Sonic. It's coming out for PlayStation 4, PC, and Xbox One. Also, and Nintendo NX, even though we don't know what that is. It's going to be on that thing. Um, and this, it just had a teaser trailer, but it's full-on 3D animated. Looks a more like Sonic Adventure or something. Uh, we don't really know. We don't get any, any view of, of what a gameplay experience is going to be like, but it's certainly... Uh, indicates that it's gonna be much more uh, I don't want to say next Jenny, but it's you know it's it's I think a reimagining of what Sonic is it shows two versions of Sonic. one is a uh, very cartoony Sonic and one is a more compact sort of classic look of, of Sonic. But I'm kind of excited about this. It's from Sonic Team. Uh, Denny, were you a Sonic fan? Are you hoping that this kind of revitalizes that character for the mainstream?
2: Oh, yeah. I was uh, in a Nintendo household growing up, but I went over to my neighbor who had a Sega just about every day to play all of the original Sonic games. I'm very pumped for the uh, throwback Sonic Mania. I think that's going to be a easy purchase no matter what. That's the kind of game that me and my fiance could sit down and play together for hours. The other one I want to be excited for, you know, it's like about time that Sonic gets the uh, Sonic 64 kind of treatment Mm -hmm. done the right way and we actually see a new vision of Sonic that's fun. Um, I would like to say my hopes are high, but just from this teaser trailer, it's hard to say. It was definitely exciting when they say you know, every hero needs a little help and you kind of expect tails to show up or knuckles to show up. And then it's the classic Sonic who shows up. So I'm interested to see where they're going. But at this point, the teaser, it's a little hard to say.
0: Christian, are you excited? Is this going to, you seem a little jaded about Sonic. I know that they've, they've claimed that he's coming back for a decade now. Um, and I, it's a tough, it's a tough character to bring into a modern game in a lot of ways, but do you think they can do
1: it? I hope so. I, I do enjoy the character, and I'm I'm one of the people that still think Sonic Two and Sonic CD hold up. I know some people have kind of soured on the idea of the original Sonic games ever have being ever have been being any good. Um, I I still enjoy them. I think they do hold up, and I you know the, the level design and what they were doing in those games. I think is still fun and can be appreciated. But I think that. It, I don't, I don't know. I think the mania is the one that is maybe going to be closer to stretch, scratching that itch for me. And I, I almost think that it's weird because they did it with Sonic adventure, but Sonic needs a, a real reimagining of, of some sort to break free from the chains that have been holding him down for the past 10 to 15 years. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's Ori in the blind forest, you know, style of game. That's just very different, a different departure for Sonic. Um, I, I'm not sure. Sonic All Star Racing is incredible, so I mean, maybe maybe Sonic's future should just be uh, racing in cars and not on foot. It
0: sounds like I'm the only one of the three of us that has a fondness for Sonic Adventure. I know that game is problematic and doesn't hold up really, really well, but at the time when I had my Dreamcast, <clears throat> it was uh, a pretty special experience, and I think. I think a 3D world of Sonic can work, and I think a lot of the mechanics in that game actually did work. A lot of them didn't, you know, wandering, especially in Sonic Adventure 2, where it just went woo, way off the rails. But, uh, you know, wandering around a city and, and doing stupid things in, in that game were not fun. But some of those action sequences were were great. And I think, you know, the, the things that you need to retain for a Sonic game, the things that make Sonic Sonic is speed, Right collecting rings and going fast I think those are the really the only two things that you need to have you know bopping into stuff with your with your you know hedgehog mode your little ball uh and going going quickly and I think oh games now the the where we are with how the camera works and stuff it, you can make a going fast game really really fun I think the only danger is sonic games get a little bit of like push the boost and then take your hands off the controller and here we go you know i i it needs to be more than that i think but i'm very hopeful that these guys are taking this seriously and this will finally be the reboot of sonic that sonic deserves we shall see uh the other story that i was tempted by and i'll we'll just mention briefly is uh Rise of the Tomb Raider is finally coming to PS4 and i know a lot of uh PS4 stalwarts were waiting and, and you know, heard us rave about it. It was Rise of the Tomb Raider was our DLC game of the year last year. And I think deservedly so, but it was only available on Xbox One uh, for consoles. And so PS4 players were patiently waiting and hoping that it would happen. Sounds like it's coming out this October, October 11th with a little twist it's got some new modes it has a new uh co-op very very hard mode which sounds pretty interesting called uh and it got a new it has a new mission and it has a new mode for playstation v r an exclusive v r level that has me excited slash worried um because the way they describe it is It will let players defend Lara Croft's mansion from an onslaught of zombies in VR. And it's the first Lara Croft game that will allow players to play in first-person perspective. So basically not a Lara Croft game at all. (laughs) I don't understand why they're adding a, like, zombie wave shooter because I guess that works in VR. But it just seems – it worries me, guys. It worries me that this is what the extra VR stuff is going to sort of be is, hey, we found a way to slap the IP into a thing that's not at all the game. But, hey, it's in VR, so enjoy it. I don't know. It worries me. Danny, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I – I love the original game as well on Xbox and this is the kind of game that I would rebuy to play again on my PS4 if it has enough new features. And I'm excited at the idea of a VR level, but when you have Lara Croft and exploring tombs and puzzle solving, those seem like a lot of mechanics that work really well in VR already. So I don't know why they wouldn't go that route, you know, have us stuck in some kind of, in some kind of tomb and have to solve a puzzle and climb rocks, uh, all those mechanics sound great and seem like the kind of thing psvr is kind of optimized for so i agree the the zombie onslaught does not feel like tomb raider to me and i'm also curious how long that level is you know i'm willing to buy the game again for 60 dollars if there's enough new stuff there but if this is really just one level the kind of thing you can beat in a half an hour i'm not sure if that's going to be enough for some players to revisit the game
0: Yeah, and Edge of Nowhere proved that these games work really well in VR if if done right. And maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's problematic in some way that I can't foresee. uh, But it's uh, I don't want this to feel like the thing that everybody worries VR is, which is this sort of one note gimmick that, That gets stuck onto stuff. I I, I, and maybe we're just too early to have the full on Tomb Raider VR experience. Maybe that just takes way too much time to create. But what do you think, Christian?
1: Yeah, I I agree with a lot of what Danny said. I I think that there are other and having. You know, obviously not seeing what they're doing with this zombie mode, but what we've heard about it. I think there are a lot of other ways that would get me more excited about Tomb Raider in VR, you know, whether they just cribbed the climb, like that style of gameplay, and you're just Lara climbing a cliff and... Trying to navigate the world and and doing that as their experience or cribbing from the witness and having it be you're in a tomb and you're solving puzzles and you move, you know, teleportation can be your move. I think they could handle it in a unique way that when you teleport, what you're really doing is, you know, swinging your rope over or something like that. But it just, you know, you just kind of move to a new spot and then you solve witness style puzzles in VR, I think could be a really smart use of the IP. I, I do think a zombie horde mode feels uh, if that were in call of duty i would be like oh of course yeah something that they already do and vr first person mode of it makes sense why not of course um for tomb raider it does feel a little forced i think the title seems a little forced rise of the tomb raider 20 year celebration of the ip but not of this it makes this game sound much older than it is i i don't <laughs> i don't understand okay. the game is excellent though and i think they you know, have done a smart job waiting long enough for it to be after Uncharted 4 so it's not one or the other. I think the games do play differently. They maybe scratch a similar itch, but they are not the exact same game by any stretch of the imagination. I would say Tomb Raider is more of a game than Uncharted 4. And, and I love Uncharted 4, so I'm not trying to knock Uncharted 4, but it has those RPG elements in a way that Uncharted games don't. And if you are a you know, PlayStation 4 only owner, I still highly recommend Getting this game in October when it comes out, assuming it's a you know quality port, even with the onslaught of holiday releases coming, Rise of the Tomb Raider is an excellent experience. So hopefully the v- it doesn't get known for a bad VR mode and people instead give the game the chance they should. Yeah, well
0: said. Uh, they are definitely not the same game as, as Uncharted, despite what the box art might lead you to believe. <laughs> a lot of people in the chat are bringing up that the box art is very similar to the Uncharted collection box art, which is,
1: I don't know. To be fair, um, uh, uh, Tomb Raider had art assets for its definitive edition of the first one of this series of this reboot that came out before the Uncharted collection, and it looked the same. I mean, it's the hero silhouette yeah, with it's a map in the background. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's every game. I, my wedding photo is the same thing. It's just me with a gun and Amanda in the background and then a map uh, silhouetted in me.
0: Well. You had a very adventurous... <laughs>
1: um,
0: all right, guys. Let's move on to what we've been playing. But first, I do need to thank our sponsor, Mac Weldon. Ah, uh, guys. I don't know if you're aware. I don't know if you live on the West Coast like uh, I do, but uh, it's basically the surface of the sun here. It's uh, It was 104 degrees yesterday. And not only that... In the that,
1: Caribbean seas with the hot mummies screaming. Yeah. And it...
0: Everything was on fire, and when the world is burning and you feel like you're melting, it's important to be comfortable. It really is. And Mac Weldon gets you comfortable in the places that it is most important to be comfortable. I'm talking about your groin. (laughs) I'm talking about the things, the clothes that are closest to your body. Uh, I, for too long in my life, I didn't put enough stock in the fact that. The basics, the stuff that's the closest to my body should be the stuff that I most pay attention to when I buy. I feel like I would always just buy the crap at the cheap stores and buy a pack of 40 of whatever the thing was and just wear it. And then I always wondered why I was uncomfortable. Well, you got to buy high-quality basics, high-quality undergarments. Mac Weldon has your back and they make it easy. And to do your groin. Something. They have your back side, your front side. <laughs> yeah, they
2: got your feet as well. Your little crevices.
0: <laughs> they got everything. Uh, Mac Weldon has the most comfortable underwear, shirts, socks, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants. Guess what, guys? Um, have you heard of, of Halo? Have you heard of Halo 5? Well,. One of the designers of Halo 5 is a friend of the show named Tim Longo. I think he's going to be on next week. I hope he Ooh, fun. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to get him on next week. Um, and he sent us a, uh, a Twitter. I hope he doesn't mind us reading this. I didn't ask him first, but I'm sure it's fine. He sent it publicly. Uh, Tim heard us on the show talking about Mac Weldon. He wrote this tweet to Christian and I. He said, I got my Mac Weldon sweats today, and they are glorious. You guys aren't kidding. Uh, that's unsolicited. He doesn't get anything for that. It's true. He really is happy with his Mac Weldon uh, purchases. So are we. Mac Weldon is. Uh, it's. It, they got your back. They got. They got comfortable stuff. Really well made. It comes to your house in a nice package. It's easy to order. You order it online. You don't have to go to a store and under more.
1: It comes to your house in a nice package and protects your <laughs> package nicely. Come hey, on.
0: Hey. Well done. That should be their that should be their slogan. <laughs> Arrive in a nice package, protect a nice package. MacWeldon. Uh, we're gonna give you twenty percent off those packages uh, at <laughs> MacWeldon.com. All you gotta do is go to MacWeldon.com, M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Use a promo code DLC when you check out. You get 20% off. Check it out. Um, I'm pretty sure if you get their products, you become A designer of a game like Halo 5. I'm pretty sure that's how that works. Uh, But uh, check them out and use our promo code, get yourself 20% off. Let them know it was a good idea to sponsor us. All right, guys, let's move now to the playlist. I'm so glad, Denny, that you are here because you have uh, several games on your playlist that I want to hear about. But first of all, it's been far too many weeks of Pokemon Go taking over the world without us talking in depth about Pokemon Go. I know that you are heading up coverage of said Go on your uh, – on GameRant.com. So um, hit me uh, – give me, give me a deep dive into Pokemon Go. Are we – have we crested – the wave? Are we on the downward slide of Pokemon Go? Are people still coming out in droves and playing it? Or what's what's the scene like?
2: Yeah, this, the scene is strong, but on the verge of <clears throat> Niantic really needing to get a few updates in place. So luckily, the servers have almost 100% um, recovered. For the last few days, there have been no outages, at least in North America, and they have almost their worldwide launch covered. But The game is still going strong, and um, I wish that there was a slash-played feature on it. (laughs) Like, there is in WoW, because I can guarantee, aside from maybe a game like Hearthstone or Heroes of the Storm, this is already the free-to-play game that I've played more of than any other free-to-play game in the past. Wow. Um, I think that what works so well about Pokemon Go and why it might be able to outlive just being the kind of trend and being incredibly popular on a national level is that it has something to offer kind of every sort of gamer. I I keep likening it to something like World of Warcraft or or The Division, which sounds a little crazy. But what makes those games so great is that whether you want to raid or do PvP or just log in and grind resources, you can go do those things. And the game kind of has something to offer everyone. And I think Pokemon Go offers the similar sort of thing where you can go in and you can be the gym guy where you want to go and get your Pokemon as strong as possible and Go around your town collecting gems, or you can be an explorer where you want to go.
1: Wait, you collect gems also? Like Jim Halpert? What other oh, gems yeah. are you? Jim uh,
0: Halpert is the first thing yeah. you thought of. <laughs> That's a good gem, a fictional gem, oh, the
1: real gem. <laughs> That's a good gem. You would be excited if you had your phone up and you saw uh, you look. You were looking for Pokemon, and you saw Jim Halpert sitting there, and you <laughs> right, definitely yeah, I, collect him.
2: Yeah, I actually got a shiny Gaff again, so that was pretty <laughs> nice. <exciting. laughs> yeah. You gotta find that very,
0: very elusive undead Henson. Oh. <laughs> oh,
2: no! <laughs> right. but yeah, so you can go battle, you can go try to collect them all, you can just use it as an excuse to go out and exercise and see new places. I think that in order to kind of hang on to the casual gamer, like the candy crush kind of gamer, Niantic needs to get a couple of things in place pretty quickly. One of them being peer to peer trading, which Is something that was kind of promised in all the trailers and is a staple of Pokemon games and we don't have yet. Also, peer-to-peer battles. Right now, you can only fight Pokemon if you go to a gym. I think a lot of people want to be able to train and play just because that's a major part of Pokemon games. They also need to get some world events in place. And I know that the game's only a few weeks old, so it's kind of crazy. People keep telling me I'm expecting too much of them to get these things out quickly, but when you have something like this that everyone is playing, you kind of want to strike while the iron's hot and make sure you keep them around. Right.
0: Do you think that adding anything into the game that doesn't require you to be at a physical location, like being able to, you know, fight wherever you are rather than having to go to a gym, do you think that kind of undermines the the central hook of what makes this game special?
2: I think that it does hurt the spirit of a game a little bit. Like if you could just sit at your house in California and battle me over here on the East Coast. Yeah, I don't think that's what they want the game to be. Um, and I, I wouldn't like that either. I kind of like that the game gets you to get up and go out and socialize with people. But I think that the uh, face-to-face interactions, there's more they could do there. So if you pass someone on the street and it says, you know, a trainer has challenged you to a duel, maybe you have to be within, you know, 50 yards or 100 yards of someone, but that could work really well.
0: That's interesting. I, people just stopping in the street and fighting strangers on Pokemon, that would, be a, that would be wild. Exactly.
2: Yeah, I think people were concerned just with the three teams in the gyms that there would be more like aggression between players on the streets. And I haven't experienced any of that or heard any firsthand stories about any of that. Everyone playing the game seems to be having fun, kind of joking with each other about being on opposing teams. But so far, there isn't all out physical battles on the street going down over Turf Wars.
0: How does the economy hold up? I mean, we, we now we're a few weeks into this game. It, it, does it seem to have the legs to to hold up? Uh, are you still drawn to you know collect some, or are you you know is it the common Pokemon are a little tiring now? It's like ugh, I don't have, I don't want to waste my time with these these uh, trash mon. What do, what do people call them?
2: <laughs> right, the, all the pidgeys yeah. and the Zubats. Right. Uh, for me, it does hold up, and I think that. So for some of the gamers, there's going to be like the power leveling aspect. So once you get above level 20, the game really slows down a lot. Um, But you still get experience for every Pokemon you catch. So that is kind of motivation to catch everything you see. And also you still get Stardust, which is what you use to power up Pokemon. So yeah, there's a lot of motivation to go out every day and be like, all right, I want to hit all my PokeStops. I want to go out and make sure I catch like at least 50 Pokemon so I get some experience. And that's the part of the game that I'm having a lot of fun with. I get that that's not what the game is for everybody. But for me, I just love seeing bars fill up. You know, yeah. it's the same thing that's appealing in World of Warcraft. I want to keep going until there are no bars left to fill up. And as long as that's the case, I feel like I'm going to be out there catching those stupid pidgeys and zubats. <laughs> um, one, one of the criticisms I have about the game is that It's definitely an exploration game, not an exercise game. And that was a tough adjustment of my expectations because they have this mechanic where, you know, they want you to be out and they want you to be moving and you get these eggs and they hatch and give you a Pokemon after you've gone two kilometers, five or ten. And the more distance it is, kind of the better Pokemon it usually is. So, but that is all GPS based, not pedometer based. So it is really uh, doesn't work all that well. You need to kind of be going in a straight line for GPS to ping every 60 seconds and say, okay, you've traveled this much distance, you know? you wish
0: it, it had more sort of pedometer base so you could just sort of do laps in your neighborhood?
2: Yeah, exactly. I think that, and maybe that would be a different game. But for me, I thought if the goal is to get people out and moving around and exercising, you know, in this case, you can't just jump on the treadmill and open the game and get 5K, which... I think would be great, but maybe that's not what Niantic wants. They want you to go out into the world and see things and explore, so it certainly works with their goals, but it is a little overly complicated because then you have to start dealing with g p s tracking and pinging, and it gets a little a little more difficult to track I'm sure people
0: would find a way to min max and people would sell like little little phone uh vibrator things where you could just simulate walking you know and you
2: yeah just get the shake weight and strap your phone to it <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, what, what drew you to the game initially? Was it the Pokemon IP or was it the novelty of, of the kind of AR experience?
2: It was a combination of things. I think the biggest thing for me was the activity. I like to walk a lot and run a lot. So I kind of love being outside and I also love gaming. So being able to do both of those things at the same time is very appealing. So I was following this game before it was out and like very active on the Pokemon Go subreddit while all we were doing was just trying to predict the release date. (laughs) And um, so I do love Pokemon and I play every iteration of the game, but I'm like not the Pokemon guy who plays it for years. You know, I'll play it for a couple weeks after it comes out, I'll try to beat the campaign and then that's it. I don't go on and like do competitions and battles. So I definitely have an attachment to the franchise, but for me, it was more the uh, collectability and the being out and kind of having the social experience. And that, that first week of playing when you would go down into a town and there would be 50 people and everyone would be running around, you know, there's a Hitmonlee behind the building mm. and everyone sprints over there together. That stuff just had me so hooked. Just the social experience, making new friends, kind of seeing all these people who are usually criticized for being buried in their phone, kind of using their phone to meet their friends and go have a shared experience together. That's the kind of stuff that got me hooked. Is that waning at all?
0: Or is that still thriving?
2: I think that it is waning. But so like, I go out pretty much every day for at least a couple hours of play. And yesterday, when I went out, I went to the hub lawn, which is like our big area on the college campus near here. And there were there were 20 people there playing for three hours. So that's not bad, but the first night it was like there was like a hundred people there playing. Yeah. So it's certainly slowing down a little bit, and I've even noticed just the people in my life who aren't the most hardcore gamers who were playing at the beginning starting to you know lose a little bit of interest. But so that's why I really think that they need to step it up with some world events, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that it's not just go to McDonald's and get something because that <laughs> defeats the whole purpose of the game to me. But uh. I, I would hope it's something a little cooler than that, right?
1: Yeah. Hi, Christian Spicer here, another reporter from W Old Guy News, and <laughs> um, I was hoping if you could explain pokey stops and lures, and I think it's just companies, according to Google Maps, can be pokey stops, and then, and then they can spend money to cr- cast a lure to get people into their business, and then you can go in there and do something right. I mean, my understanding is that's a big part of where the money is being made on this game, but I can't make my house a Pokestop and just have friends, right? And be like, hi, and say hi to people. Is that, do I understand yeah. that right?
2: So the way that it started is that the whole Pokemon Go map was ported over from Niantic's previous game, which is called in- Ingress, which was just like Pokemon Go, but with hacking, it was a hacking themed game. And so all of the Pokestops and gyms are based on where locations were in that game. And they are all either... Businesses or like monuments, like a plaque or a bench. Um, and you have to go there to get items, and they're free. So you do, and a lot of them aren't businesses. So you have to go stand in front of this business, swipe on your phone, and then you get the stuff. And lores are a thing that you can unlock in the game for free, but very rarely it's more likely that you would buy them. So if you're a store owner and you want people to come to your game, you could, in theory, go into the game, spend $2 on a lore apply the lore to the Pokestop that is at your store, and then it is very likely. Gamers see on the map that a Pokestop is lured, so they could go there and hang out at the store and wait for Pokemon to come. Um, And at this point, there was a short period of window where Niantic opened it up and said, hey, you can give us suggestions for new Pokestops and gyms. They've closed that down because they got an overwhelming response, but... I think it will be interesting to see after that call to action, what, what get, which of those get approved. Is it going to all be businesses or will it be like, like you said, people's houses and other parks?
0: Hmm. Hmm. Cool. Um, I'm, I'm curious what you think the impact of this will have on Pokemon Sun and Moon. Do, do you think that this is going to have, uh, you know, garner more interest in, in those games or is it a completely isolated experiences that draw people for different reasons?
2: I hate to say that it's an isolated incidence. I think that if everyone in the country owned a 3DS, yes, they would all spend $60 and buy Sun and Moon, but I do not think people who don't already own a 3DS and aren't already part of that culture are going to go out and buy a 3DS plus you know, a $40 3DS game. Yeah. I, I would love it if they did. I think the game's going to be great, and I really like the Pokemon games every other year whenever they come out. But that's just a big financial investment to ask for people who just seem to be hooked on a free-to-play game. And, you know, mm-hmm. maybe they spend $10 on it a month tops. That's a, that's a big difference. Interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are supposedly 40 million 3DSs out there in the world, so... I'm, this is
1: it's a big install base but yeah but like three of those are me so that's
2: true right i've got three of them too so <laughs> <laughs> maybe divide that number by three i guess and
0: we're all fine uh interesting stuff interesting stuff um you've also been playing a game i talked about last week and uh, i really really like uh, had some i had some issues with it but what, what are your feelings on song of the deep
2: yeah i'm really enjoying this so far i was honestly a little worried last week when you described it i think as like the underwater game in every platformer um because those are definitely not my favorite levels (laughs) uh in sonic or in uh mario but the, the the uh physics of the game felt great to me and i love the hook mechanic i played this game a ton with my fiance it's the kind of game where I download it and start playing it. And she walks in and she says, oh, let me let me try that puzzle. And then I never get the controller back <laughs> <laughs> because it's just a kind of game that sucks you in. Um, what I really love about the game is the style and the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just love the soundtrack to this game. It's beautiful. Um, I am only maybe we're three or four hours into it. I'm not sure how long it is. So we've seen the difficulty start to scale. I haven't hit any like super meat boy level frustrations yet
0: yeah i don't think it ever gets to super meat boy levels but it it definitely i think the longer the game goes the more it puts emphasis on combat and the more the enemies start being annoying rather than wondrous you know and uh and certainly the there's a lot to like about the game i just wish it had managed to keep reinforcing the exploration idea rather than relying more on on combat to sort of you know, extend the experience, which I, uh,
2: but yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And I think the combat does work well, but there, there are a lot of times where you unlock a new tool and I'd rather just go back and find, find gates or doors. I couldn't get through before and see if this is the one that gets me through. And I don't really want to have to wade through all these different angler fish and things like that.
0: But you're right. It is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, all of the presentation really enhances the experience visually. The music, everything, and and really that sort of storybook framing even is pretty charming. I think um, it's, it, there's a lot to like about Song of the Deep. I just you know it's interesting how many of these Metroidvanias are kind of coming out right right around the same time, and and there's a there's a few that all kind of demand comparison to one another. And one of the games I've been playing fits in that category too. But let's let's stick with your playlist and uh, talk about something I. I'm going to assume is on the lower end of what you've played.
2: <laughs> yeah, this one won't take long. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yes. Go ahead. So i I played Ghostbusters, and I did review this game for Gamerant, So this was a review code game. But um, so this game is set in the same universe as the 2016 Ghostbusters film. It is not about those characters, though, and it's kind of a Diablo clone kind of game, you know, top-down four-player. Sounds awesome it so does, far. I know. It, it, the setup is amazing. The the music is great. The level design is pretty great. It, it definitely captures the tone of Ghostbusters in that sense. But then you get to the shooting mechanics, and it is really just feels like they slap the Ghostbusters skin on top of a regular shooter. You have a player with a shotgun, a player with a minigun, a player with two pistols and a player with an assault rifle Hmm. and you just throw the word proton, you know, in front of or behind each of those, those weapons. And now it kills ghosts instead. Um, And that was really part of my problem with the game was that it's just a shooter where you happen to be shooting at ghosts instead of, you know, zombies or demons. It also doesn't have the same exciting kind of loot elements that something like Diablo or path to exile, or even like, The incredible adventures of van helsing has Mm -hmm. um and the levels are long (laughs) too long there are only 10 levels but they are just these long windy paths with very repetitive uh very repetitive fights and you do get to use the traditional proton pack in the boss fights and that is a fun little mini game you once you get the boss's health low enough you get to bust out the proton pack and Kind of, you have to cross the streams the correct way and then you slam the ghost and then throw out the trap and finish them. In those moments, you feel like you're a Ghostbuster and the game is very successful in that. I just wish there were more of those moments. Hmm. I think that it's a $50 game and it just doesn't quite capture the magic of the franchise enough. It, it, it also kind of throws away any opportunities to have fun with the lore. There's just one throwaway reference to the new game in the opening credits. And aside from that, There are no cameos. There are like a few ghosts that look like Slimer that are a little familiar. But aside from that, it's kind of just its own thing. I think
1: you summed it up when you said that the levels were too long. Because I don't think anyone complains about a game they love where they're just like, oh, the game's great, but there's just so much of this great game. I just wish there'd be less of this game that's my favorite game. I think anytime you notice a level is too long... I'm 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 going to put words in your mouth but if you weren't reviewing it I think you would have stopped playing it
2: <laughs> yeah that seems pretty like I think you cut the level length in half and maybe drop the price by $30 and this is a game that I could recommend to people who really just love Ghostbusters mm-hmm. oh,
0: yeah I noticed that Polygon gave it a two uh out of yeah that's pretty rough 10, <laughs> which is like it's not a one don't get car- don't get crazy guys but this game is no three
1: <laughs>
0: pretty, pretty funny um uh, well, at least there's, you know, I was going to try to say there's some redeeming qualities, but there aren't. Um, <laughs> so we're talking about we're talking about uh, Metroidvania kind of games, in uh, interesting ones, ones that kind of take the the style and and do something unique with it. Uh, Song of the Deep I think does, but it pales in comparison to how unique a Metroidvania headlander is, which is a game that I got uh, early code for and have been playing all week. Um, this game's amazing. It's, it's the new Double Fine game. It has a truly original setting and presentation. It kind of draws inspiration from like late sixties, early seventies sci-fi, that sort of psychedelic, uh, almost, almost like sex sci-fi. It's very, um, watercolor paperback novel sci-fi uh with the you know the guy with the girl draped on his leg robots who have you know genitals for some reason <laughs> it's 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 a really unique thing it's kind of tongue-in-cheek and cheesy and you play a person who has no body a person who is just a head in a in a jar but that head is attached to some technology that allows it to fly around so you can't talk because you don't have lungs but your head is alive and you control this head you can fly it around and you can attach it to various bodies in the game. So you have a little sort of vacuum attachment on the bottom of your head, and you can use that vacuum to pop the heads off of various robots in the game, and it leaves their body open and a little slot for you to stick your head onto and control their body. And there's a whole lot of things that are not just human, or not. It's not, nothing is human, everything is an, a robot, but Uh, Not uh, humanoid, you can attach it to dogs, you can attach it to little dust robots, you can attach it to signposts, all kinds of crazy stuff that you'll eventually be controlling in the game. But the central mechanic is that the very Metroid-esque bubble doors uh, that lead in and out of of different screens in the game are all color-coded with levels of security clearance on them. Uh, and that color coding is matched to the ROYGBIV color cycle, right? Uh, red is the lowest level security, and it goes up from there. And various robots in the game have the, are colored that way and have that level of color clearance. So you have to attach your head to their bodies and use their laser pistol to shoot the door, just like in Metroid, to shoot the door to open it. So a lot of the the puzzling of the game comes from finding the right body, getting the right body safely to a door and opening it and, you know, getting through the level. And all the the androids that are security bots on this crazy (laughs) 1960s uh, Pleasure Palace space station that you're on, all of them have laser pistols and all of their lasers do, uh, you know, are powered in different ways, but they reflect off of surfaces so you find yourself – you know, taking over their body and using their laser to sort of bounce it off the wall and then hit them in the head to pop their head off, or uh, you know, or you know, hiding behind a wall and trying to ref- bounce your thing like four times off off the screen, off the edges of the walls to wrap around and hit them in the back. Kind of clever, kind of clever. Um, and a lot of the the puzzles in the game aren't just about getting through the security clearances, but there's all kinds of other things that they layer onto that. Where you'll have to double back and figure things out, or open, um, you know, open gates, or do levers, and you know, it's very, very typical stuff. But done it done in a uh, typical thing is done in a very unique way, you know, unique presentationally because of that setting and. And the kind of wacky stuff that you constantly are, are finding. You upgrade your character, upgrade your head in various ways to empower boosting and, you know, having a more powerful um, vacuum attachment and all kinds of crazy
1: stuff. What are you playing on? It's PS4 and PC, is that right? PS4. And I think this is also part of the – what it, it's such bad naming because Xbox doesn't even do it anymore, but it's like the PlayStation Play campaign or whatever. It's not their summer of arcade, but whatever. I think I think this is part of that, right, where there's the four games you pre-order, you get a discount, and if you buy them all, you get money back. I think it's this, Ab- Abzu, however you say that name, um, um, the da- ballerina game, and then one other one. I think there are four you know, kind of indie showcased um
0: cool i wasn't aware of that that's awesome
1: and this is uh, adult swim um published which i think i have mentioned before how i think insomniac is one of the most daring um developers of this age of gaming right now with the types of games they're putting out from vr to ratchet and clank to song of the deep i think adult swim as a publisher is one of the most exciting publishers Mm. and it's it blows my mind to look at them from a Comedy um, TV show, you know, perspective, right? Like the where this thing kind of started as Adult Swim and the games that they've released on mobile and then on console and on PC now. It's not just dumb joke cash-in titles, right? Like they are fun, daring, creative games that they're picking up and publishing. And this game from Double Find seems like it's more of that. It has humor and stuff in it, but it's also a very good game i think early on people kind of rolled their eyes at adult swim games and were like oh this is going to be a tappy tap dumb thing but uh recently maybe not even recently maybe from the get-go they've put out some of i think the most original and daring games on their platforms
0: i agree yeah this game is fantastic i mean if i had to level any criticisms at it they the things you end up doing often can start out feeling a little tedious like uh, you got to disable four satellites, and they're placed all around the map, and you got to find them. Uh, okay, you got to you. You found a a lift that can go down uh, a level, but it's blocked by a force field. Well, that force field has six components to it. to Disable all of those. It's like it feels a little uh, shopping list esque sometimes, and the the counter to that though is that it's definitely a game where I find myself going, okay, well, I'm just going to play about 10 more minutes of this and then I got to go. do it. And then I'm like, oh no, I can, I, oh, oh, I found it on the map. Okay. Well, I'll just go over and do that. Okay. I'll just go over and do that. And all of a sudden it's two hours later and I've been, you know, I'm still playing. Um, that I think is the sign of a very, very good experience that it constantly has something around the next corner that I'm, that I'm excited by. Uh, and, and the humor goes a long way to make it fun. The setting is so original and different. It really, you know, you walk into this, these rooms where there's robots just like rubbing themselves on things and it's it's always giving you an a, a visual that you've never seen before and a kind of um comment on society in a lot of ways you know there's 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 like the boobery or something like the boob room <laughs> where people are just watching the te- watching television and it it's clever It's really, really well done as a Metroidvania, just the layout of things, the discovery of how to get from place to place and trying to, um, you know, very simple puzzles, but puzzles nonetheless that I find myself intrigued by. Um, A very, very good game, Headlander really
1: good. So yeah, it's part of PlayStation's Play 2016 campaign, which if you're a Plus member, you get 20% off pre-orders and if you purchase two or more of the play titles, you get a PS Store 20% off anything coupon. And so the games are Headlander, which comes out on the 26th, Abzu, which comes out on August 2nd, Brutal um, which is August 9th and bound, which is August 16th are the four games of the PlayStation All play games promo. that
0: I'm very, very curious about, especially bound, man. That looks really, really interesting, but yeah.
2: Yeah. Abzu looks fantastic. Agreed. Too.
0: Beautiful. Another underwater game. Um, really cool. Uh,
2: yeah. I also
0: had a chance to play, uh, fury, but not too much of it. This is definitely not a game for me. I don't know if you guys have heard about this game. Uh, I think this was also on PS4. I played it on, um, the The idea behind Fury, F-U-R-I, is uh, everybody gets excited about boss fights, right? Why don't we just have boss fights and none of the other part of a game? Why don't we only have like like a third-person, top-down action game, brawler, but we just do the bosses and nothing else. It's just the boss fights. And I tend to be the kind of guy who's like, I beat a boss and I'm like, oh, I never want to do that again ever. And just let me go back to the regular game. Oh, God, I have a boss. Uh Okay, let's just get through this. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it. <laughs> uh, and I mean it's a really clever thing. It's like these extended one-on-one fights against a boss, and you have a whole bunch of moves at your disposal to to dodge things and it it is a prolonged tete à tete with a with one character that's very difficult. And it's very difficult. The, the game starts with a a note that says, like, this game is going to be hard. Be prepared. You know, it's like, oh, you weren't lying. Uh, and that's just not the kind of experience that I was looking for when I sat down to play this. You know, I, I think it's actually pretty well done and pretty interesting. And if if that if you like that kind of challenge and you are super excited about um, boss fights in games, I think this is worth a look. You know, it certainly is inspired by Dark Souls. I don't think that it is a Dark Souls-esque experience but it's its own thing. It's a. It's much more actiony. It's much more brawlery, uh, and it's it's got some interesting ideas going for it. Um, it's Fury. F U R
2: I. Does that have? Does it have like an expir- exploration aspect to it between the boss fights? Barely. Like Shadow of the Colossus, or no? It's just like one it's, boss right into another. It's like
0: walk through a bit of story and get to the next boss. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so that's what I've been playing. Uh, we do have a, our VR segment coming up right now, but I do want to thank our next sponsor, a new sponsor. Cards Against Humanity is sponsoring the show. You guys have heard us talking about Cards Against Humanity, but this is a very particular part of Cards Against Humanity. Cards Against Humanity, of course, a uh, really filthy but fun party game uh, with cards, but Cards Against Humanity is doing something called Concert. Against Humanity, which you can find at ConcertAgainstHumanity.com and uh, this is something they've done before. They're bringing it back this August. It is a night of comedy and music and it is going to be taking place at uh, Gen Con, you know, the country's largest gaming event. It's pretty, pretty cool. I've always wanted to go to Gen Con. I've never gone. Uh, one of these days I will get myself to Gen Con, but this is a pretty cool thing. The This uh, Concert Against Humanity is going to have live performances from Eugene Merman, Aparna Nancerta, Jonathan Colton, Molly Lewis, Paul and Storm, and some surprise guests from the Chicago comedy scene. And it's open to both Gen Con attendees and the general pub- public. So you can, uh, you can go. If you're going to be going to Gen Con, which I hope you are, uh, because I hear it is amazing. I want to go there someday myself. Uh, check this out. It's open to the general public. You don't have to have a Gen Con badge to go. So that's pretty cool. You can get tickets at concertagainsthumanity.com. And uh, I think this is going to be amazing. So I'm really, really excited that Cards Against Humanity decided to sponsor us to let me help you, uh, help me, excuse me, let me help them tell you about it, he said.
1: Uh, Also, Aparna is incredible. And she just had a new album come out. That is also incredible. She is, you should go and you will, you will love her. She is an incredible stand up comedian. That's great.
0: Look at that. ConcertAgainstHumanity.com. Check it out. If you're in Chicago, go. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, the voting – you know, I, by this point, I expected the voting for the VR bumper to be done. But it's a dead heat. It is a dead heat. You can vote at 5by5dlc.reddit.com. There's a stickied uh, uh, VR bumper thread at the top. The It's a dead heat. Brian Boggess and Sean Madigan. So this week we're going to go with Sean Madigan because we went with Brian Boggess. He- well, I was going to just play them
1: both at the same time. At the same time. Just cacophonous. Mm-hmm. Just on, on top of each other. Uh, you reap what you sow. Here we go. Sleep in your bed. Dead heat. Here we
0: go. Yep. VR time.
1: VR segment just VR segment
2: VR just
0: VR segment VR segment VR VR Uh Danny you have um been been trying some VR stuff um what uh what what has been your experience you you said you've been working with, with the uh Gear VR right
2: yeah, yeah. I don't. Ha- I was very depressed to run the uh, can my PC run with a Vive or a Rift checks, and they it gave it like um, adequate. So I wasn't quite comfortable with purchasing one of the big ones yet. I have the PlayStation VR pre-ordered, so I'm gonna wait and get that. But I kind of couldn't wait until October, so I picked up a Gear VR. I know that it's not nearly the same experience as the. Uh, the vibe of the rift, but I've been having a lot of fun with it. And I was pretty skeptical about the VR trend at the get-go, but I, the first couple of things I played were Land's oh, End. That game's awesome. Is, yeah. That's my favorite so far. I think it's, it's my kind of game, whether it's in VR or not, you know, it's beautiful landscapes, it's cool puzzles. I, I wish there was more of it, you know, it's, I think it's only five levels right yeah. now, but it is fantastic. The the gear was worth it kind of just to have that experience. And I was shocked that I just had no motion sickness or anything like that at all. You know, you're teleporting over these giant cliffs, looking down hundreds of feet into the ocean and I never got any queasiness, so that was that was awesome for me. Yeah,
0: it's me. cool that, um, uh, first of all, I think that game is basically the wish fulfillment of of being Magneto or something, where you can like move things. As well. Right. But it is cool that the reward for doing something right is this fun sort of transportation through these beautiful environments, and that transportation is not nausea-inducing, which is great.
2: Yeah, not at all. Um, I've also been playing Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes, which I know you guys have already talked at length about on here, but... Just another vote for that game. It's like the perfect party game.
0: Yeah. It's it's I it's mean, so much fun. And you've been playing it on Gear VR. Yep. Cool.
2: Yeah. yeah because and it, and it works. Really yeah. Well. It doesn't.
0: It's not graphically intensive at all. It doesn't need much as far as uh, horsepower to to play. So yeah. I, anybody that has Gear VR really owes it to themselves. Did you did you print out the manual or did you yeah.
2: Yeah, we printed out the packet, and so, they have, so the one group of friends will have all the pages spread out yeah. on the floor trying to figure out what's going on, you know, screaming at the person who's in VR. Totally. Um And we did play it with, I have like a Xbox 360 controller for the gear, which I'm not sure if you can play this game on gear without an external controller. Yeah, it would be
0: challenging, that's for sure, Um, to, to yeah. use that little remote thing. I think it would cause more frustration than anything else. Um, right. But Christian, I think your wife and you should come over and we should all play. I think you I think Amanda would love, uh, keep talking. Nobody explodes. Uh, but it is, it's such a fun party game experience. You
1: gotta, you gotta try it. Yeah. It sounds great. I'm glad that you also invited me over. It wasn't just uh Christian. I think your wife should come over. <laughs> She's the fun <laughs> one though. She's the, <laughs> she, she is the fun one. She is the, fun, but plus she is the doctor. So if someone did explode, right. I mean, she'd be the one that you, you want. Definitely there.
0: need to have that. No, I mean, it's nice <laughs> to have a former lawyer there as well,
1: but, you know, for different reasons. <laughs> yeah, I show up later. <laughs>
0: you can bring the beer, you know? <laughs> um, uh, did you want to so talk about... The so the other, Go ahead. Th-
2: yeah, the only other game I've been playing on there is Minecraft, which has two modes. It has like a big screen mode where you're basically just playing Minecraft on a giant screen, which is pretty cool. And then it also has the more traditional VR first person mode, which is a little bit nausea. Yeah. <laughs> it, it'll make you a little sick, I think, unless you have like an iron gut. And it it gives you quite a warning when you switch to that mode. It's like, are you really sure <laughs> you want to puke? Grab a bucket.
0: <laughs> right. yeah. um, I don't know if I ever... Did I ever talk... Christian, did I ever talk about playing the Minecraft hack for
1: Vive? A little bit, yeah. You said, um, maybe it was off. I'll let you talk about it's it because awesome. maybe it was off show. It's,
0: it's really good. And it gets away from that because you're actually physically walking around and it has teleportation and stuff. So there's no nausea in the, the Vive hack for, for Minecraft. And it's, at this point, really professionally done. Like they have a whole wrapper that you can, you can download that will just hack. Your mind—you have to own Minecraft, but it'll hack Minecraft uh, all by itself, and it's really slick and easy. It doesn't feel cobbled together anymore at all, um, and you're in Minecraft, and it's crazy. It's 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 a pretty effective job at. All of the things that you would think that you would need to do uh, all map to the Vive controllers, and it, it's pretty incredible. It's a, it's a neat experience, and anybody that has a Vive, I highly recommend trying that Vi- uh, Minecraft hack because it's, it's almost like a killer app in and of itself. If you're a big fan of Minecraft, it's, it's amazing to be inside it.
1: When you craft, are you using the controllers like one to one hand motion or is it still kind of push a button to add wood, add a metal? A little of
0: both. X? A little of both. You can use the controllers to sort of, you know, smack a, a tree, you know, to, to or a whatever mm-hmm. anything you to cut down a yeah. yeah. Smack, you know, uh stone or whatever you need to, to mine. Um, but then you do the same sort of minecraft menu crafting system where you put things in patterns and stuff. Um so it's a little of both, but it's really, really cool. And, you know, you you fight things, you will fight creepers or whatever with your hands, and it's it's pretty neat. That sounds yeah. great. And you look down at your body, and it's like, you know, your little Minecraft guy body. It's pretty wild. Um, I want to read, a, before I get to the game that I've been playing in VR this week, I want to get to a uh, email that was sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com, which you can always send us feedback about any segment in the show. We love hearing feedback. This was sent from Jim Casey. Did you want to read it? Uh, because I, it, it tickled me I liked it He said Dear DLC crew I'm going to start by saying I'm not a VR fan Nor do I have The intention Or more importantly The money To invest in VR
1: And Jeff deleted The rest of the email Thank you so much Jim We appreciate you writing he says,
0: now, say, now saying that I also work in retail At Best Buy Because of listening to the VR sections of DLC, I have been much more able to converse with customers about the differences in VR tech and even recommend games based on what I have heard in that section. So my point is, even though I have no plans, nor am I personally interested in VR, it has been a great help to be more rounded in my job. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. See you guys. VR. VR, VR, VR.
1: Look at that, uh, Jeff! Your horrible decisions have are influencing people across this country (laughs) now, and they're all playing the same. No, (laughs) it's great that there's actually a Best Buy employee who cares. I've never encountered one,
0: (laughs) but I'm glad that there is one in uh, Oak Harbor, Washington, which is where Jim lives.
1: Have you really? So I'm gonna I'm gonna put rubber to road here. I would say that in my experience, nine out of eh, seven out of ten Best Buy. GameStop all employees that it's easy to throw under the bus as a group for being like gag inducing are pretty good. Really? In my experience they've been pretty good. Um I'm, I I sh- I shouldn't use a blanket statement.
0: I have definitely been disappointed by the quality of of employees or even worse what I overhear employees saying to people is like "ooh." But um you know there are there are exceptions and and that is true and I shouldn't be so down on them.
1: But I I will make a I will make a blanket statement though. Let's it. Your mother-in-law makes the best baby blankets.
0: Oh, that's a blanket <laughs> statement.
1: See? That's what I it's said, true. yeah. And uh, people don't even
0: realize that you're not just making something out, up out of whole cloth. And Like she literally did make you a baby blanket.
1: Yeah, two, and they're the best. And both my girls, it's like their go-to lovey. <laughs> they love them.
2: Um, oh, so they're not for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not, not yet. She hasn't made one for me yet. <laughs> Hint.
0: Uh, I had a chance to play sort of the the – Big VR release of this week was a game called The Assembly, which has been um, getting a lot of press up to its release because it's really trying to be a AAA VR release. This is a, a studio that was, um, I think they're called In Dreams. Uh, they are, you know, they put out a bunch of pre-release press talking about how seriously they were taking VR how much how many resources they were putting into it how they were,
1: <laughs> how many teraflops yeah, though how, many
0: <laughs> how they were building these worlds and trying to create a very realistic um experience and taking storytelling in VR to the extreme and trying to really create something unique they have done it is certainly a visually very impressive game especially you know in the world of these uh, a lot of the stuff I'm playing in VR is very you know one guy in his garage making it right now. We're in early days. And when you play something, when you put on a headset and you jump into something that is done with uh, the, the the kind of team that this one has been done with and the kind of care and budget that the assembly was made with, you can definitely tell the difference. It graphically very impressive. I should say I'm playing it on Oculus. Um, and it looks great. It looks
1: great. Like there's a, a big there is butt a big coming. but there
0: is a big but dang it um I, I question a lot of the decisions that were made and, and I wonder if a lot of the decisions that were made about the assembly were made because it went into production early and the reason it looks so great is because these guys have been working on this for a long time but we're working on it when the the landscape of VR was slightly different this you can play this game with a Vive. And you can play it standing, and you can walk around the environments. And I should say, basically the type of game this is, is exploration, puzzle solving. You you play it from the point of view of a couple of different characters, but most of the game is wandering around environments, looking through drawers, finding things. Uh, remembering a code from one room to another, uh, unlocking a door, looking, uh, in, exploring an environment, and finding story beats. Right, finding, listening to phone messages, reading documents, learning things in, in a certain area before you can progress. Which are games I enjoy. I like that kind of thing. I mean, I really enjoyed um, Firewatch, and I mean, that's basically that game. Is just kind of learn stuff and and go through it. Um, The things you learn in this game are a little obtuse, at least at first. And unfortunately, even though you can wander around the environment and look at stuff, this is a controller-only control scheme at the moment. So even with the Vive on, you are not able to physically reach out and pull open a drawer like you can in a lot of other games, Uh, like uh, Call of the Starseed, for example. So, So knowing that, I didn't even get it. By the way, I purchased this game myself. I didn't even buy it for Vive. I bought it for Oculus. I said, well, if it's going to be a controller-only experience anyway, might as well just do it on Oculus because I find the Oculus headset to be a little more comfortable and easy to just pop on and pop off. So I bought it for Oculus. I knew it was a controller game. Uh, This is a game you control with your face, Um, a lot like Land's End we talked about on the Gear VR. And a lot of Gear VR games are like that. They control with your face because controllers on the mobile platform are a little trickier to, to have or to rely on. Uh, so you have to look at things. You look at, you look at the drawer, and then you push a button on your controller to open it. You look at the uh, answering machine. You push a button on your controller to activate it. You look at the computer. You push a button on your controller to activate it. And, oh, man, it, it, it's pretty rough. Uh, that control scheme gets old real quick in this kind of game. Uh, it offers a variety of different movement
1: options. You can tell... Sorry. Um, I'm curious about that because I feel like that's how these games are played in a non-VR setting. Like if I'm playing Gone Home, you know, I look at the drawer and push A and then I see my character's hand go to the drawer. Mm-hmm. But that seems like a very traditional way to do it. Is it janky or worse? that's what I'm wondering. Is like, the you know, the neck movement make it worse or is are you kind of like... You know, is this your little hint of me where it's good, but you know it can be better and you want to use your hand?
0: A little both, actually. Yes, my neck actively got a little sore. And it, it that doesn't happen in Land's End and other games because it, you're not given as much freedom of movement in Land's End. It, they very much control – your field of view and you're, you're looking at a, a a brick in land's end and then lifting it with your head. And it feels like you're controlling something with your mind here. You're really given full first person shooter esque movement in an environment. So you're moving your head a lot more than you would ever do in a game like land's end. And you're getting yourself into a position where it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm staring at a desk. I'm standing at a desk and I need to look all the way down to, to activate that drawer And then I need to look all the way to my right and you're just – it's much more active with your head. And I found that to be pretty, I think, bad idea overall. Hmm. Uh, And and they do give you a lot of options for the movement um, from full-on, you know, dual stick, look where you want, make yourself puke to teleport around and everything in between. There's like stutter stepping. There's – you push forward on the stick and you kind of hop. You know, it's like it, it moves you in increments that are a little less nausea-inducing. None of them feel good. None of them feel good. I got to the point where I sort of got my VR legs and I could move, as long as I moved in straight lines, I could, you know, move smoothly. And it's pretty cool, especially how good the game looks. It's neat to be moving through a fully 3D VR environment like that. But it, I never felt agile, you know? I never felt like it, I was, I had... I was really comfortable moving around that environment. Not from a nausea point of view, from just a, like, I want to move over there. Okay. I have to point my head at it and push forward. And I can't, as I'm walking toward it, I can't turn my head left because I'll start moving left. It was just (laughs) all, it just all, none of it really comes together. And, and that would, wouldn't even be the worst. I mean, it wouldn't even be that bad if the game itself was super compelling, but even the sort of puzzles and stuff that you're discovering, they're very rudimentary and it, it's a game that definitely focuses on telling you a story over gameplay per se, but the story itself isn't that interesting. Um, it just, it just felt like slightly above mediocre on every level, except presentation. Like it looks great. And it's a game that I can recommend on, on VR just for like, Oh wow, look how good VR games can look and feel. Uh, but Ultimately, I was really disappointed with it. And it's a, you know, this is a A kind of upper end experience. It comes with an upper end price tag. Um, hmm. It's called the Assembly, and I wish it was better. I wish it was better.
1: Well, we're still early. Maybe this is the first step, and we'll see a better game, maybe even from the same studio with that same engine now that they've kind of created the graphics. They can implement the touch control or vibe control in the next thing and improve yeah. upon it.
0: Uh, I wanted to read another email that we got to uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, last week, I kind of brought up, reluctantly, I brought up this concept of multiplayer games. And we had a discussion about just sort of mood and uh, getting, you know, I'm having this crisis and here's the storm where it's like, does this game actually make me feel worse? Do I, When I play with a, a team, do I actually come away with it? Feeling bad? What do I do? I got a lot of response about that. A lot of people were talking about it. And the sad thing is that most people said, you got to stop playing. Here's an email from Jacob from Dallas. He says, hello, DLC. Listening to Jeff talk about how playing Heroes of the Storm can put him in a bad mood reminds me of a similar experience I had. I used to be really into Call of Duty to the point where I would get very angry when I felt like my team was messing up. I can say from that experience that it only gets worse. It got to the point... That I was finding reasons to be angry, even when we would win games, and went to bed furious most nights after playing. It took dropping multiplayer games altogether for a few years for me to get over it. I hope Jeff can find the fun again before it spoils the game altogether, or maybe take a break at least. Love you guys, Jacob from Dallas. Thanks for the email, Jacob. Um, do you guys want to comment on this, Denny? Do you have any feelings about this?
2: Yeah. So I'm a pretty competitive person as well. I've been lucky that when it comes to video games, even the competitive ones, I don't really feel the tilt as much. Like I I play a lot of Heroes as well and a lot of Hearthstone, and I do get angry while playing Hearthstone from time to time when I get a bad beat, but for some reason, it hasn't hit me with Heroes yet. Maybe it's because I'm not quite good enough to be that invested. But I play a lot of competitive Magic the Gathering as well, and I have for years, and I have two pieces of advice for for you and anyone else going through this problem. The one is the one you already said, which is that sometimes you do just need to step away from the game for a little bit. And this happens to me maybe every like two or three years with Magic the Gathering, where I realize that the only thing that's fun for me about it is winning. And anytime I get to that point where the actual playing isn't fun and, you know, the preparing isn't fun, then it's time to step back because that's really not... Unless, you know, you're trying to make a career out of that game, that's not what a game should be. And it shouldn't make you, you shouldn't walk away from a game feeling worse than you did when you sat down. I agree. My other piece of advice, if you want to keep playing, try to push through it, is something that I picked up from a few of the guys in my Magic uh, play group where we'll travel together and go to tournaments together. They have a really good habit of maybe midway through a tournament, so we're, you know, four rounds in or something we kind of meet up and say, what was, what was your best play of the day? What, what's something that you did wrong, you know? So what's something that you did right? And I kind of learned a thing about myself that maybe this will be true for you as well, is that I have a really hard time remembering the the games and the matches that went well. Like we win and then it's over. And I'm just like automatically thinking about how do I win the next one? And I don't take the time to kind of appreciate the win, you know, that I had fun. I played well. I had a good interaction with my opponent. The things that I remember at the end of the day and at the end of the tournament are the bad interactions, you know, the person who I had to play who wasn't friendly. And so I'm stuck sitting here with this person for 60 minutes who doesn't want to have a conversation with me and isn't really friendly. Um, And so the thing that helped me was remembering the good experiences and not just the sour ones, which is hard because the sour ones really stick out in your memory, especially when you get to be good. Like, it sounds like you are heroes. You win a lot. And it's easy to kind of just let those pile up and like, all right, that's a win. Let's forget about that. It went well. Yeah,
0: I think that's all of that is great advice. Um, And I really appreciate everybody that wrote in about this issue. It's an interesting discussion, I think. And um, it actually made me sad how many people, a lot of people were like, just stop. (laughs) <laughs> which is kind of the answer that you don't want. You don't want to say stop. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I I definitely think it has as much to do with me as it has to do with anybody else. As far as, um, I can't put the blame anywhere other you know, for me getting a bad mood on other people. Uh, it's, it is you're responsible for yourself and it's about your attitude. So, um, you know, I will continue reporting back about this struggle, <laughs> uh, first world problems, I guess, but, um, Guys, it's time to carve out a little bit of tabletop time. But first, I do want to thank our final sponsor, which is Linode. Linode is a hosting company offering high-performance Linux servers for all of your infrastructure needs. And Linode has it all. Lightning Quick Servers in the Cloud, a super-fast 40 GPS network, automated backups, node balancers, managed services, guides with step-by-step instructions, a simple but powerful control panel, 99.9% uptime, 24-7 support experts, and all the tools you need to get the job done right the first time. And now, Linode offers 2 gigabytes of RAM for only $10 a month. Over 400,000 customers trust the Linode platform, including 5x5. All of 5x5's infrastructure is happily hosted on Linode. And getting started is so easy, just pick a plan, choose your favorite Linux distro, and pick from one of eight data centers in America, Europe, and Asia, just visit linode.com slash 5x5 today to support the show and use promo code 5x5 for a $10 credit. linode.com slash 5x5, simple, powerful, reliable. All right, guys, let's, uh, let's do it. Let's get into tabletop time. Right now, right now. Last week I talked about the Spiel des Jahres winners, and I talked the fact that I had not played Isle of Sky, which won the Kenner Spiel. And here we are with a guest, Denny. You played Isle of Sky. Tell I me, have, is it, is it uh, Kenner Spiel worthy? Did you love it?
2: Oh, it is. It's a fantastic game, and I it's hard putting it next to Pandemic Legacy, which is you know the bigger game that it was up against. Um, When it comes down to it, I think most of the time I would rather play Pandemic Legacy, but uh, I'm like a really co-op, tabletop kind of guy. Those are the games where I have the most fun. But Isle of Sky is great. It's similar to Cargazone Mm -hmm. in that it's a tile-laying game where you're kind of building a city through a series of tiles. But it's got some really cool economic features to it. So the way the game works is that there are something like 16 goals with the, that are the ways that you get points for your win condition, but you only play with four random ones each game. So the way you win the game is different every time mm. you play. So it's, that makes it like a brand new game every time you sit down and it has this cool feature where each round, I think that the game is built around six rounds. Each round, each player has a series of tiles that they, Set in front of them and they set a price for. And basically, if it's a tile that you don't really need and you want another player to buy it off of you so that you can have more money to buy different tiles, maybe you set the price low, but you want to set it high enough that it's worthwhile for you. But if it's a tile you really want, you want to set the price high so no other players Mm -hmm. can have it. But the catch is that if no other player buys your tile, you pay Ah, for it. mm. So, yeah, so maybe you really want this tile, so you make it cost 10 gold. But then when no one buys it, you're out 10 gold. And so it's this really unique balance of trying to set things just high enough so that you can keep it, but not give up Boast all your on money. on your own petard. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really, really fun. So and at the end of the game, uh, so scoring is different based on each round. So like at the end of round one, you only score based on maybe what the first goal of the game was. Then in round two, you score based on what the second goal was. Round three, you score based on the first and third goal or something like that. So each round, you have to try to optimize your city so that you're hitting these right goals. It's a really deep game, really complex, but also very quick to sit down and learn. I played it with four people, which I think is probably ideal, three to four people. It takes a little under an hour once you know how to play it. I can't recommend it enough if you're a fan of games like Carcassonne or, um, you know, like it's a little similar to Settlers of Catan with the economy, except that there's money moving around rather than just trading two cards between right. other people.
0: Oh, man, I got I got to play this game now. I'm, it sounds awesome.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think you'll love it. Again, it's that's called
0: Isle of Sky. What else? What else have you been playing on the table?
2: Yeah, so I play a lot of board Love games. Uh, another one that we've been playing a lot is called Shadowrun Crossfire. Are you guys familiar with the Shadowrun Absolutely. universe?
1: It's that really crappy Xbox game. <laughs> oh.
2: Exactly, exactly. And a lot it was a lot of great role-playing games before it was a crappy Xbox game. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of similar to like the Netrunner universe a little bit where it's a near future and corporations are super powerful. And so there, there's hackers that are really powerful, but this world has magic as well. So it's like half Dungeons and Dragons, half cyberpunk. Um, and Shadowrun Crossfire is a four-player cooperative deck-building game set in that world. So there's a lot of fun stuff to work there with that it's deck-building and cooperative. Um, so the way that it works is that you sit down with a group of four people. You can, it also scales down to one, but it's definitely ideal when you're playing with four And you go through a shadow run together, which is basically trying to rip someone off. So you steal something from a corporation and then you're trying to get out before these demons and monsters kill you. And there's like an alley of cards in the middle that each player can buy from. And the game is just punishingly difficult um, in terms of actually winning, not in terms of learning. But my favorite thing about it is that it is, is kind of a mashup between a legacy style game, like something like risk or pandemic and a role-playing game where if you win enough rounds, every time you win your player card gets experience points and then you can make that player Hmm. better. So there are actual stickers that you put on the rule and like, it'll be things like this player always starts the game with one extra card or like increase their maximum hand size by one. Um, or they start the game with one extra health or one extra money. And as you play more and more um, and c- accumulate more experience points, those abilities get more and more powerful. So you're, you feel like you're playing a role-playing game if you play with the same people over and over again. But there isn't, you know, the work of like finding a consistent dungeon master. And the game kind of has a deck that is a dungeon master that puts out challenges for you guys to face how many, together.
0: How many players is Shadowrun Crossfire?
2: It maxes out at four, and you can play with less than four, but I would recommend playing with exactly four, probably.
0: And it's a it's a co op experience. You're playing against the game, and it, it's am- It's really cool that it carries over, and uh, I, I love the Shadowrun universe. It's a really fun mashup of like cyberpunk and fantasy. It's it's neat.
2: Yeah, it's great. One player plays as like the hacker. One plays as a mage. One plays as the street smarts guy, like the face, the <laughs> charisma and the other one plays as, like, a uh, fighter. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fantastic. Again,
0: that's called Run Crossfire. Uh, you've also been playing Terror in Meeple City, which is a game I haven't had a chance to play oh. either. I love this. There's a bunch of games I haven't had a chance to play. But this is one I have had my eye on for a while.
2: Yeah, so this is a game that was... We actually uh, played a promo copy of it a while ago. It was originally called Rampage and then changed to Terror in Meeple City City because of obvious uh, copyright issues. It basically is like the
0: old arcade game Rampage done on the table.
2: Exactly. Um, And I really am always nervous to play these games that are kind of like have physics-based mechanics where you have to interact with the board like a la carte was one from a few years ago that was that food based game uh, where you actually have to like flip food and make ingredients. And I ended up loving that game. And this was the same way. I was like, this is going to be stupid. I don't want to like blow on the board to knock over meeples. And it is so fun. So in this game, each player plays as a dragon, as a big monster that's terrorizing the city. And there are towers of meeples in each holding up each building and around each structure. And You have a few mechanics. You flick a little disc on the, on the board to move your dragon around. And then you have abilities where you can pick up a car and throw it at buildings. (laughs) You can put your chin on the, uh, on the table and blow at the board to try to knock a building over with your dragon breath. (laughs) It is. It sounds ridiculous. It is incredibly fun. It's a perfect little party game. Um, it has like the meeples and some cool scoring mechanics, so it feels a little deeper, but it's the kind of game where you can bring in people who maybe aren't usually as into the tabletop scene. It's awesome.
0: I mean, based on how much fun we had playing Flick'Em Up, Christian, I think this would be a blast. What did we lose Christian?
2: Yeah, I could see some definitely comparisons to Flick'Em Up. And if you guys like Flick'Em Up, there's a game just like that that is... Uh, Racetrack game, oh, yeah, Pitch Car, yeah, exactly. That game's fantastic. Yeah, too.
0: I, Pitch Car is is tough. You can get Pitch Car Mini uh, all over the place, but I getting the actual original Pitch Car, which is what I have wanted, uh, is a little trickier. It seems to me. I, I don't think it's as available as as Pitch Car Mini, but I might not be as up to date as I.
2: Oh yeah, if you're ever on the East Coast, you I can never
0: play I mean, it. I <laughs> definitely will. I've heard I've heard really good things about the full on Pitch. Car. I played Pitch Car Mini. But I've heard the original is, uh, is, is pretty great.
2: Yeah, my friends and I do a cabin trip every year where we play board games for a weekend in the cabin. And Pitch Car is always how we start every morning. We, someone sets up Pitch Car while everyone else cooks breakfast. That is so awesome. <laughs> I love it. Very cool stuff,
0: man. Uh, I'll save my board game for next week because we're running a little long. But uh, very, very fun stuff. Uh, I love it. I'm very jealous of, of some of these games. I've got to try Isle of Sky. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Uh, stick around. We do have our parting gift coming up. Uh, but Danny Connolly, thank you so much for being here, man. What a great guest. You've been fantastic. Oh, thanks for having me. It was a ton Where of fun. Where can people uh, find your work on the internet?
2: Yeah, the easiest way to keep in touch with me is on Twitter at the underscore DFC. Um, you can also find my writing daily on gamerant.com. And if you happen to be on the East Coast, you should go to the Small Press Expo, which is a great indie comic show in September. I'll be there. I'll have a table and have some comics Oh Cool, stars. man. That
0: is great. Um, and that's the the underscore DFC, not DLC. I know I might yeah. be misleading people. It's DFC, like Frank.
2: It is close. Um, <laughs> Christian,
0: uh, we are we have a big week ahead of us. Three days, streaming six hours a day. You can hang out with us on the stream. We'll be interacting with people and giving away prizes on the stream. We will be interacting with people. If you're in Los Angeles and you want to come down to the Sherman Oaks Buffalo Wild Wings, we'll hang out with people live and interview people, put people on camera. It will be fun. Uh, be sure to let us know that you, that you listen to DLC if you come down. Um, that is going to be at –
1: twitch.tv slash m t n d e w right
0: twitch.tv slash mountain dew uh and we're doing it all all week well monday through wednesday it's gonna be a lot of fun really awesome streamers uh cool prizes and us for six hours a day <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Uh, what else you got going on christian
1: I mean, that's the bulk of my week. Um, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Christian Spicer 713. I didn't get a chance to jump on and, and stream anything on my personal Twitch, but I did upload a video on YouTube of Rock Band 4 with my family of four. It's my wife, daughters, and I playing some rock band. We do Uptown Funk. We do Weezer. My name is Jonas, and we do Blink-182 Rock Show. My daughter, oh, man, she we're on no-fail mode, so, you know. She's having fun. But while well, she can't follow the the jewels right in Rock Band yet, she loves playing those drums. There's times in it. I think it might be it's in Weezer or the Blink song where she's like just going to town and then she takes both sticks and holds them up in the air over her head <laughs> and like steps with her foot like one, two, three, and then just crashes down on the on the drums again. Um, my, my guitar playing, I'm playing, I think, on medium or advanced for some of the songs. It's not the best. I make mistakes. But I, I think it's the weezer song whichever one it is when my daughter starts going to town like she gets off of her seat and is like standing on the on the pedal as she's mm-hmm. doing it like i'm playing guitar but also like watching her sticks like not hitting me or my you know 14 month old <laughs> who's a. Uh, she, we, we did the classic, you know, plug a controller into the back, uh, you know, method for her. So she's holding a PlayStation 3 controller and loving it. <laughs> that video is on, on uh, YouTube. And then well, – um, I know that, the, I know that the, to-
0: uh, the, the key to learning a musical instrument is you first start with the flare. You first start with the showing off moves. Then you learn how to play it. But I think your daughter has the right, right idea. You, you start with the, the cool, like, flip the sticks moves. And then you move on to actually learning this,
1: the, the instrument right
2: yeah it's impressive that she's graduated past air drums and now she's on <laughs> to play drums she's she's well on her
1: way you can see it's uh, at the very beginning too so you don't by no means you have to watch this whole video to get some of course she's my daughter so i think it's super cute but at the very beginning um she's like all excited to play because you know getting rock band out is an ordeal it's not just easy to set up and so i get it set up and she's sitting there in front of the drums and she's it's totally like oh man this is gonna be awesome i'm gonna be here going boom 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 and she's just like wailing away and uh you know melts my little heart so it was, it's on YouTube, Christian Spicer, 713. And then Twitter is the easiest way to get in touch with me, which is at Spicer. And then my Twitch is just twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. Oh, and a parenting podcast, Department of Parenting. It comes out Tuesdays and Thursdays. You can check it out. You can always follow
0: me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada with two N's and one T. And I have several other shows, including the slash Filmcast at slash filmcast.com. I have we have concerns at we have concerns dot com and I have tomorrow daily at TomorrowDaily.com. dot com. But we would love it if you guys hung out on our Twitch channel. Well, it's not our Twitch channel; it's Mountain Dew's Twitch channel. But they're hiring us to uh, host it, and it would be great to have some friendly voices there. Uh, we're going to be interacting with the chat on Twitch uh, a lot over the next three days, and uh, I think it's I think it's going to be a good time. So. Wow.
1: And we're not selling you a false bill here. Like we, we know kind of, we, you know we know what we're doing these days, and it's a lot of Jeff and I just hanging it really out. Is. It's so just us. <laughs> if you like, if you like DLC, or if you even want a DLC that's a little less structured, that yeah. is just like what are Jeff no and I like IRL. All,
2: yeah,
1: it's going to be a lot of us just talking, and I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna get in some Comic Con news. It's gonna be a hangout. I'm pretty excited for it and uh by day 3 i might not be as excited for it so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> come hang I out think it's on monday be a blast,
0: man it, it really is they specifically told us they want us to just hang out and, and and sort of uh talk to people and and so we'll uh yeah it'll be like this but uh three times as long <laughs> so with a longer name yeah. for sure <laughs> yeah we have lots of prizes to give away so it's a, there's there's a reason to to be there um i'm i'm you know if you want to hear me eat Wings, Uh, I'm sure that's going to happen, too, because I'm going to be eating some wings. Anyway, that's, uh, again, twitch.tv slash MTN All right, guys. (laughs) Let's wrap this show up and get to our parting gift.
2: Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting
0: gift. Denny, uh, do you have something to get people through their week?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I know everyone's watching Stranger Things or has already watched Stranger Things. So, uh, in that spirit, I wanted to recommend two comics that kind of have a similar feel to that. The first one is Paper Girls. Have you guys read Paper Girls? No, it's on my
0: pile. Uh, I have not gotten to it yet. It's
2: fantastic. Yeah, so this is by Brian K. Vaughn and Cliff Chang. And it's a great comic set. And I think uh, the day after Halloween, 1988. And it's about a group of girls who deliver papers, who have paper routes. And they're kind of dealing with the chaos of the early hours of Devil's Night. And they, un- they stumble upon a crazy sci-fi mystery. It's, it's fantastic. Really, really similar to Stranger Things in tone. Um, the other one, and there is a volume of that out. Volume one, I think it's $9.99. So it's pretty easy to check out. The other one, uh, Four Kids Walk Into a Bank. There have only been two issues of this so far. It's a five-issue miniseries. And it's it's my indie comic of the year so far in 2016. I absolutely love it. It is also kind of 80s era about a group of kids playing Dungeons and Dragons, and one of their fathers uh, gets pulled into this weird crime noir heist drama, and they find themselves mixed up in it. So it doesn't quite have the same sci-fi genre elements of Stranger Things. But it does have the uh, awesome, adorable '80s nerdy kind of kids getting caught up in something bigger than themselves. Very cool.
0: Great recommendations. That again, that's Paper Girls and Four Kids Walk Into a Bank. Christian, how about you? you? Got a parting gift?
1: Yeah, I thought of a second one too. I recommended it to you, and I think you liked it. It's on HBO, and it is called The Night Dude, of.
2: So oh, good, I love it.
0: so good, it's so good.
1: It's really good. And I think it's getting overshadowed a little bit by stranger things and other shows that people are maybe singing praises more. This is night of is a, I don't want to call it dark, but it's an intense show. It's a serious HBO show. I think I described it to you as if you like the shield it's or serial. It's like, um, it feels like uh, the,
0: yes, the serial. podcast serial done as a television show almost.
1: Yeah, it's excellent. It's based on a British show and HBO's version of it is excellent. And then the second thing I'd want to recommend is a book. It is called Up to This Point, Point um, Point, as in like ballet, P-O-I-N-T-E. And it is written by Jennifer Longo, who is um, married to Tim. And she has two books out. One is six feet over it, and this is the second one, her newest one, Up to This Point. And um, I, I think if you were to look for it in your bookstore or, you know, wherever, I think it might, it's probably a young adult is where it's classified. So there, there aren't it's any not, more bookstores. There are Amazon owns them. They own physical bookstores, Jeff. I, I don't think, I think the internet is a bookstore and that's, the, there aren't, I don't think there are bookstores. Okay. Well, if you go, if you search on the internet, um, if you have your VR headset on and you're looking at to what section of the VR bookstore to go into, I think it'd be young adult. Um, but I I really loved this book. It's, I mean, it's, it's not Dante's Inferno, right? I mean, it's not, that's not goodness, what it is. That's not, not the YA Iliad. at all. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's called Up to This Point and, I don't know if it spoke to me just as like, because I am also an artist and it kind of deals with struggling with your art. Um, and I don't want to say too much about it, but it's about a girl who, uh, a young girl, high school, you know, going to college aged girl who has a very specific plan for her life. And then it goes South quick. And, um, I don't know. I, I really like that. I, I read most of it while listening to modern baseball, which I think also, which is a band, not, current day baseball which, which i think was a perfect soundtrack for me for all reading this I, uh, book and I spent um, most of
0: my time listening to baseball circa 1900
1: <laughs> <laughs> also a good band um <laughs> up to this point jennifer Longo. i think people i think people would really dig it it's a quick read um or it was for me because i loved it so check it out
0: again that's called up to this point uh yeah i i very interested in, in checking that out. I have a film to recommend. I saw it last night. It's called Captain Fantastic, and uh, the title could probably be pretty misleading. Uh, this is Viggo Mortensen playing a dad who has decided to raise his kids completely off the grid in the forest. And it, this is an amazing movie. This one this movie will make you think. It will. I mean, especially um, very. Apropos for me, I'm about to have my first child and you know, thinking about raising kids and what that entails and the challenges and the decisions you have to make. Uh, but I think this is actually also a great m- movie just for anybody who has been a kid or is a kid or has had parents or uh, thinks about the world in and what is right with it and what is wrong with it. It, it is For
1: anyone who's had
0: yeah, parents. If you've ever had a parent
2: or <laughs> been a kid or been a kid. Um, i it, i'm
0: i was so impressed with it 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 will make you think it will make you feel it it is about big ideas uh it's about you know what is wrong with the world what is right and it doesn't come down with a specific answer it just shows you a sort of even-handed look at different approaches and Uh, It's so great. It's so great. It's called Captain Fantastic. I think it's in limited release right now, but well worth seeking out. Uh, It'll definitely be on my top 10 of the year. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks to Denny Connolly and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Uh, Thanks to all the folks in our chat room for contributing to the show. We've been reading all your comments throughout. Thank you so much. And uh, thanks to everybody that downloaded the show and is listening We appreciate you and we appreciate you telling your friends about the show, reviewing us highly on your platform of choice. That helps as well. Please take the time to do that and uh, continue listening. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, you can always uh, watch us on the the do stream. Yeah, that's what I'm going to call it, the do stream. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.